Racial discrimination in healthcare even extends to patients who are dying. A new study out of The Ohio State University found that Black, Asian, Hispanic, and other patients of color with end-stage gastrointestinal cancers were less likely to be prescribed opioid painkillers as part of their end-of-life care. And those who did receive them were given lower doses than white patients. The study also found disparities based on the income levels of the patients, with poor people receiving lower doses of opioids if they received them at all. This is Pulse Check. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. Mortality rates among American women and children rose between 2020 and 2021, according to a new report by the United Health Foundation. The report painted a mixed picture of health trends. On the positive side, there was a decrease in teen births and in smoking among women of reproductive age. On the negative side, an increase in mental distress and addiction. A new study in Nature Communications found that global consumption of sugary beverages rose nearly 16 percent between 1990 and 2018. But the increase wasn't the same for everyone. People in their 20s and 30s, men, and people in sub-Saharan Africa saw bigger increases. And researchers said inadequate access to clean drinking water was one factor driving the troubling trend. And workers at the largest U.S. not-for-profit medical system, Kaiser Permanente, went on strike this week over low wages and staffing shortages. Political labor reporter Nick Nidzwadek is here to explain how the strike might disrupt the healthcare system. Hi, thanks for having me. So you've been covering the Kaiser Permanente strike that just kicked off. We're obviously in a year of really big labor actions, including a lot of strikes across a lot of different industries. We got the actors, we got the auto workers, we got everyone in between. So how do you see this healthcare strike fitting into that picture? So this is definitely on the larger end of the spectrum, though, at least for now, it is only a couple days it's expected to last, at least initially. In total, there's about 75,000 Kaiser workers who are on strike. To put that in perspective, there's been a lot of talk about the auto worker strike. And right now, that's only about 25,000 workers. So this is obviously triple of that amount, though the UAW strike could eventually get bigger. But it is quite a lot of workers. Many of them are concentrated in California, but there is also Colorado, Oregon, Washington, and to a a smaller degree, Virginia and Washington, D.C. are also involved in this. And so why did it get to this point? Why are workers on strike? I mean, it's no small thing for doctors and nurses to walk off the job. There's a couple different factors. Part of it is the aftershocks of the pandemic, which obviously put a ton of stress on healthcare workers across the board. There is a lot of concern about the inflation kind of chewing into people's wages. That's a factor as well. And then also like overall, the economy is somewhat strong enough where there's not huge unemployment or things like that. So there is some level of comfort in trying to ask for big increases to kind of offset inflation and some of these other things that are big concerns. One of the big asks from the union is they want to set a $25 an hour minimum wage kind of across the board and then annual increases on top of that. And obviously the hospitals right now do not want to give them that. And so that's primarily what it's over. But part of the undercurrents kind of as an extension of that is there is a lot of concern from the workers about staffing shortages. And their concern is both like it heaps a lot more pressure on the workers who are there. And then also it potentially, if you're really understaffed, it does potentially endanger patient safety or health. And they believe that increasing their pay would kind of go away towards retaining workers and making it an attractive job for the type of skill labor that nurses, nurse practitioners, all these types of people kind of provide on a day-to-day basis. 
you said this is only supposed to be a couple days initially, but it sounds like it could escalate to a longer strike, depending on what happens. How is that going to affect the workers, the company, healthcare in general? This is somewhat common in healthcare-related strikes where it's much less likely to be open-ended, partly because there is the risk of endangering patients if tens of thousands of workers who staff hospitals aren't there. And so hospitals hire temporary workers to kind of fill that gap. And then compared to other strikes, like there is a little bit more accommodation for temporary workers than at other strikes where crossing a picket line is a huge no-go. It's still not exactly beloved by unions and those on strike, but there's just more of an accounting for that fundamental there are patients who do need some level of staffing even in the middle of a strike. So because of that, healthcare ones tend to play out a little bit differently than other strikes, but that means sometimes you'll see a three-day strike and then down the road there might be an additional notice of a further strike and it kind of depends on their previous contract. Sometimes there's rules on like how you have to announce strikes or things of that nature. So it kind of is case by case, but healthcare in particular is one sector that just doesn't play out like other work stoppages. So what are you watching going forward in your reporting on this? It does seem that there is a lot of tension right now. A group of unions, they're alleging bad faith, which is basically that the companies aren't being serious at all about trying to reach a deal, or at least not anytime soon. And that is a pretty big accusation, and you generally don't come to that very lightly. That is kind of like when you are at your wit's end and are really trying to make a point that negotiations are not progressing in any real way. And so that heaps a lot of pressure both on government officials to potentially intervene, even if they don't necessarily have a lot of like true authority to broker a deal, they can kind of like lean on both sides to kind of sit at the table and at least start trying to make some progress and things like that. And so especially with the focus on the Biden administration and kind of how it is very supportive of unions, but also like doesn't want huge economic disruption. And because of the overwhelming number who are in California, that also does put a little bit of the onus on California Governor Gavin Newsom. He tries to really referee between labor and business side of things, but that also means that he sometimes upsets otherwise labor allies in the Democratic coalition over in California. That's a good point. That's definitely an area to watch. I know he got some flack recently for vetoing unemployment pay for striking workers. So as someone who obviously has some big political ambitions, we'll be keeping an eye on how he responds to this latest. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And we're excited to keep following your reporting on this. Thanks for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese and Alex Keeney are our senior producers. Kara Tabor is an editor for PulseCheck. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. Subscribe and follow PulseCheck for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting, Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening. 